Hey, Emily. What's up, Greg? Breaking news sound. <gasps> what is it? According to Mark Berman of Fox 26, which I assume is in Houston, Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta has met with NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman about potential of bringing the NHL to Houston. What? Uh, he's had preliminary talks about buying and relocating the Arizona Coyotes to Houston. Nothing on that happening now. No decisions close. But clearly, his desire has been stated to bring the Coyotes to Houston. A Coyotes team that, might I remind you, was recently announced to be relocating to the same division as the Dallas Stars. Hmm. I really wonder when this meeting took place, either now when it was reported or in the fall when it was reported. <laughs> Very confusing. Now, you're saying that when this report goes viral, as I'm sure it will during the course of the taping of this very podcast, that perhaps the news is overstated for it has already happened. You know what? My sources say that I might have reported on it previously because it's been reported (laughs) on by everybody. The the thing about relocation stuff that always kills me is like – they literally talk to everybody. Like, Hartford has sent delegations to sure. talk to Gary Bettman. It doesn't mean that they're getting a team. I mean, in this case, they're probably getting a team. But everybody is always... Saskatoon has talked to Gary Bettman about getting a team. I love Saskatoon. Good people. You know, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. And my understanding in this meeting that may or may not have just happened, or it might have happened months ago, is that it was just <laughs> a trading of notes. They were kind of like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm interested in. <laughs> Bettman's like, cool. Same. Bye. I, I'll i take your note, and your note says... Opens up paper. Your note says you would like to buy the Coyotes. My note to you says exactly how much that will cost. And that was the trading of notes. Coming up Wait. in ESPN Ice <laughs> this week, we've got Tracy Myers uh, to talk about the collapse of the dynasty, the fall of the Chicago Blackhawks as they continue to descend down the Western Conference rankings, and also Matthew Kachuk of a team with a different trajectory, the Calgary Flames, will join us to talk about uh, his season and the season of the Flames. All that and more on the latest edition of ESPN on Ice, so let's start the show proper, shall we? From the ice to your earbuds, a podcast about hockey. Featuring things to do with hockey. From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN on ice with Wachinski and Kaplan. Hey everybody, it's ESPN on ice, the podcast where ESPN talks about hockey. I'm Greg Wachinski, senior NHL writer. I'm Emily Kaplan, a national NHL reporter. Um, boy, yeah, huge news that obviously has been reported on many times. Uh, so. <laughs> Can I just tell you what I was going to say before we started the show proper? What was that? Have you ever seen the 30 for 30 Elway to Marino? Uh, I don't think I saw that one, no. Oh, it's incredible. So the crux of it is their agent, they shared the same agent, and he kept detailed notes throughout the entire draft process in this like leather bound spiral notebook oh. about everything that was going on, and he just reads the notes, like day to day transactions. And I really hope this prospective Houston owner and Gary Bettman are doing the same. Meticulous note-taking is required for eventually what will be the 30 for 30, the, what, Houston Howell? What would they call it? You know, what would be the Coyotes to Houston thing? By the way, if they go to Houston, I'm on the record. Now, I'm not getting Sasquatch, clearly. Mm -hmm. That's not even in consideration. Although I did see a report that said that some some guy in Florida, Florida man, 
uh, purchased the Seattle Sasquatch domain, obviously an ESPN, a nice listener in that regard. Um, but if the Houston, if, if Houston gets another hockey team, you got to name it the Arrows. Got to go old school, Gordy Howe, Houston Arrows for that team. You know what? I'm starting now. The hungry, what? hungry Houston hippos. <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue. I'm all for alliteration. There's no flaw in my book. I like that because that means instead of the teddy bear toss, they could have marble night and just everybody throws marbles on the ice and then the players have to hoover them up. Yeah, Is that's it? not going to backfire at all. No, it's all synergy. Uh, speaking of great ideas, as you know, I, of course, had one last Friday in the wish list column uh, after many discussions during the Board of Governors meetings with governors. I came away thinking, you know what? It's time to expand the playoffs. And now this was not a popular idea. I think a lot of people are on the side of Gary Bettman thinking that the 16-team tournament is just dandy the way it is. But I must tell you that a movement is afoot, and there are many members of the Board of Governors who would like to see the playoffs expanded to 20 teams. You let in the 9 and 10 seeds in the East and the 9 and 10 seeds in the West. You get a little one-game playoff action. I won't call it a play-in game because I don't like that term. I'm going to call it baby game sevens. You get the 7 seed against the 10 seed, the 8 seed against the 9 seed, and then the very next night, the teams that played in those games have to travel to then play the uh, first and second seeds in the conference. So there's a good chance that the top seed in the conference might actually see a backup goaltender for game one. That's the kind of competitive advantage we're talking about here. But it was clear to me, Emily, in listening to the feedback from many of our listeners and ESPN readers, that a lot of people are quite okay with the playoff format as is and uh, are very much the people that take the evil Knievel-like leap over the Grand Canyon from saying, well, if we let 20 teams in, we might as well let all the teams in. Can I tell you my favorite uh, response to all of those people? What's that? Do you remember the time when the NHL only had 21 teams and still let 16 into the playoffs? Yeah, that's the weird part about it, right? Yeah, it did happen. And there's always been an elasticity to the expansion of the NHL in the expansion of the postseason. The postseason from like the, the mid 60s through the late 70s would grow when the league would grow. It's just that now, for whatever reason, we get to 32 teams and people are like, ah, 16's enough. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I was like that. I'll, I'm a traditionalist. I'll freely admit I was on the side of keep it at 16. It's a perfect tournament. It is the best postseason in sports. But you can make it a little bit better and you can do it in a way that's not going to screw up the 16-team tournament. You're basically just saying two more teams get a crack at being the seven and eight seeds in a playoff. Um, and I don't understand the idea that if you let in the, the ninth and tenth seeds, that all of a sudden the entire integrity of the postseason, this war of attrition, where the best teams have to battle through four rounds to make it there, and now in some cases five, that somehow that entire postseason is now off the rails because the tenth team gets in. Now... Other critics of this proposal have some other arguments. They say, well, the GMs just want it because it'll give them more job security. There's a bigger chance that they'll make the playoffs. Uh That's just not true. People are still going to fire GMs. In fact, (laughs) it'll just be more common that you get fired if you're a playoff team. So be it. It's true. Like, if if you're the 10th seed and someone's like... Hey, we're, you have the highest payroll in hockey and we expected you to be a number two seed. Just because you get into the 10th seed doesn't mean that you're going to keep your job. There's still going to be expectations. The other thing they say, though, Emily, is that they say that it's all about money. Well, which that was I my next say, point. Yeah. 
It's true. And, do you know what I say to that? <laughs> What's that? Oh, the league. Oh, it's just, it's all about revenue. So what's wrong with that? We're always talking about growing the sport. This would be a TV bonanza. Like, listen, it's just so contradictory to me. Listen to capitalist, Emily, Emily capitalist over here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been spending too much time with the governors. <laughs> but um, to that point, yeah. think of it from a TV optics. I, I feel like wild card baseball games are must watch television. It, it's an event. You don't, I don't care about the Cubs at all during the year. When they're in that wild card game to play in. I'm all in. I'm the biggest Cubs fan there ever was. Yeah, that's why, I mean, it, it would create interest. The weirdest thing about this entire thing is the fact that Gary Bettman's against it, to be honest with you. Like, this is a guy who does everything in his power to create false parity in this league um, through loser points and the salary cap and, and making uh, uh, bad teams look decent through March so they can sell tickets. You'd think it'd be in his wheelhouse, to have the ninth and 10th best teams in a conference get into the playoffs so they could be fakey phony playoff teams. But here's right. the thing. I'm contradicting my own idea. They're not fakey phony. If you change the format, you know what they are? They're playoff teams. That's all. And if you think about this in this, you know, lens of it, how much more competitive is the hockey in March? The entire month of March, yeah. which can kind of be a dead month when you're sneaking so much matters. Being the seven versus eight playoff seed matters, the eight versus nine, the 11th team is still in the running probably until, you know, the middle of March, even into April. Yeah. And, and it, it puts a premium on finishing first or second. Mm-hmm. Um, it puts a premium on finishing sixth. I think, I think it increases the amount of, of different, uh, points of drama and points of entry that you have into a playoff race. Listen, I, again, I, I am a gatekeeper when it comes to the traditions of hockey. I don't want the playoffs to be screwed up. I, and by that, I mean some of the other ideas like rank them one to 16. Cause you know, what we really need in this league is that Ottawa Nashville first round series. Get that cracking. Um, but in this case, like I just don't, I, the, the 16 team tournament is what I care about. And I could give, a crap about how you determine who the seventh and eighth seeds are. This to me seems like a case, and I think it's the reason why Gary Bettman is so reluctant to embrace it, of just everyone in that room doing things the way they've been done because that's the way they've been done and there's no questioning it. And it's the same thing. Pierre Lebrun has brought this up many times, but why does the Stanley Cup have to go so late in June? It makes no sense. It drags (laughs) out the season. Start the season earlier, short and free season, end it last week of May. Who complains about that? Yeah, and, and I think my my thing on that, I agree with Pierre about that because you know, frankly, when it's June and there's a pool and it's nice and like the last thing on your mind is ice, mm-hmm. it's kind of tough to kind of like rally the troops to come watch a hockey game. That's the truth. Last thing on this uh, playoff alignment thing, I wanted to get your opinion about the idea that's often bandied about when they talk about reshaping the postseason. What do you feel about the idea that the top two seeds in the conferences? select which team they want to play in the first round. That's one that people like. The ECHL, I think it was, tried it mm-hmm. last year. I've seen people in, uh, on the NHL side kind of play with that idea of, of it would create this this level of drama. Do you like that idea, or do you think it's just like they wouldn't even get adventurous about it? I am all in. I say you have a selection show. You bring the captain out of your team. <laughs> you bring some kid from Make-A-Wish. You do a whole thing. The <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights bring their you know Medieval Times character actor. And uh, you make it a thing, and I love it, and it's going to backfire on some people. They're going to think they're picking, you know, the easier opponent, and, and it turns out to totally squash in their face. And you know what? That's what gets their GM fired, so so right. be it. They pick the wrong opponent. They get swept in the first round. 
and the captain of the team blames the Make-A-Wish kid for picking the wrong team in the first round. Emily, that is the greatest idea I've ever heard. I think it's an incredible moment for the NHL. Incredible moment for the NHL. Incredible moment for ESPN on ice because when this inevitably happens, just remember, you heard it here first. (laughs) You know, we really wanted to avoid Montreal, but the sick kid over here wanted to play him in the first round. So good. You know... It'd be a bad look to do that, but if you want to look good, Emily, there's only one way to do it. How's that? That's with our friends at Indochino. Indochino is a place where you can get a fantastic men's suit instead of just a generic off-the-rack suit. They have a variety of colors and fabrics and patterns that make everything they make so stylish. Highest quality, lowest price. That's the mantra there, and you get to be the designer. They're uh, North America's leading made-to-measure menswear company with uh, suits and shirts that fit your, fit your exact measurements. Here's how it works. You can visit a stylist at their showroom and have them take your measurements personally, or you measure yourself at home <clears throat> and shop online at Indochino.com. You choose your fabric. You choose your design customizations. You submit your measurements with your choices, and you relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple of weeks. I've got an Indochino jacket. It's my go-to uh, for uh, on-air things because I think it looks really good on me as opposed to you know wearing a giant joke jacket that you might wear for Halloween if you were SpongeBob. This, just, this fits you good. That's the point. And this week, listeners to ESPN on Ice can get any premium Indochino suit for just 359 bucks at Indochino.com when entering the promo code ICE, I-C-E. At checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit, plus shipping is free. Indochino.com, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code ICE for any premium suit for just 359 bucks and free shipping. You know who's looked good this season, Emily? Who's that? The Calgary Flames, and that's why we wanted to talk to Matthew Kachuk about it. Now, Matthew, we really appreciate you coming on, but today's your birthday. It is, yeah. It's a it's a big day, twenty one. So finally get to throw out the you know the fake IDs and stuff. Just get to use my own now. Yeah, what's your first beer gonna taste like? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I haven't uh, been waiting twenty one years for it, so I don't know. Your guess is good as mine. What was your favorite birthday growing up? Ooh, I don't know. I I feel like they were all uh, they were all pretty good. I know my mom uh, would always go uh, over the top with uh, birthday celebrations, and you know. Always had a bunch of buddies and stuff, so um, you know it would be it'd be a big celebration. So I don't know, all of them were good, but uh, you know I'm in I'm in Calgary now, obviously. So I, if I have a few, if I was in the U.S. I'm, today, this one would probably take the cake. Oh, for sure, yeah, it, it is a rite of passage. It is everybody's bar mitzvah. Uh, Matt, yeah. the Calgary Flames are really damn good this year, um, and I wanted to ask you, what exactly is it? about this mix, about the coach, about whatever that has propelled you guys to the top of the division this year? Yeah, I don't know. I just think, uh, I think um, you know, from a, a player's point of view, I just think everybody's buying in. Everybody's doing a great job um, producing out there and playing to their personal identities, which is ultimately helping our team out. But um, we've been getting contributions throughout. Um, we've been getting good goaltending. Our, our team defense has been playing well, and we've been able to score goals at the best of them this year. So, um, I'm really happy with where we are right now, and um, you know everybody seems to be uh, playing well, so we just got to keep it up. Matt, it feels like such an exciting time for USA Hockey. We're producing so many great players, and obviously it's a shame that you guys didn't get to go to the Olympics last cycle, but another thing I've thought a lot about is so many of the young American stars, you, Johnny Gaudreau, your brother, Brock Besser, 
Austin Matthews. You guys are all playing for Canadian teams. I'm curious, do you think that affects your marketability or your reach in being able to grow the game here in America? Uh, no, I don't think so. It, it is pretty funny how that uh, seems to, to happen for some of us Americans. But um, I think we do, a, we do a pretty good job of, of promoting um, the, the youth hockey, especially where we're from. And we're growing the markets in, in uh, the places where we grew up. So, um, for example, I know Austin's doing a terrific job down in Arizona, growing the game there. And, and um, you know, kind of uh, an up-and-coming market in St. Louis. I know me and my brother are, are helping out. Um, when we're there in the summer, I think people just, when people follow some of their, you know, their favorite players from where they're from, it automatically helps grow the game and they want to play hockey. So, um, you know, it is unfortunate, like you said, that, um, the NHL couldn't go to the Olympics last year because I think that would have been great for, for USA hockey as well. But, um, hopefully we'll be able to, to continue to grow the game, whether it's, um, you know, World Cups or uh, our own here in the near future. You know, it's funny, like, Winnipeg always seems to get all the love as far as being, like, the craziest fans. But I remember that Calgary Cup run from back in, like, before the, the huge lockout, 2004 season or whatever. Like, you guys start winning, man. That play, that city gets nuts as far as its support for the team. Yeah, even, like, two years ago when we made the playoffs, those, I don't know, there are a handful of games before playoffs when – um, you know, we had chances to clinch or we clinched and we we're getting ready for playoffs and just to see the buzz around the city. It was insane. I mean, I was, I was too, you know, I, I wasn't familiar with the whole situation being in the NHL, so I didn't know anything differently. But now noticing it and seeing what happened last year, not making the playoffs and, and comparing it to how crazy the city was the year before when we were in playoffs, it's, it's, we want to get back to the playoffs. We want to get the city going, um, get the city going again. Even when we made the playoffs, uh, two years ago, we got swept. But we are down two games and nothing, even three games and nothing, um, back here in Calgary, and, and and the building was was nuts. It was insane. Everybody was wearing red. Um, it was it was it was an unbelievable atmosphere to plan. So, um, and that was only the first round, and we were down and we got swept. I can only imagine what it'd be like if we, uh, you know, would go deeper and deeper into the playoffs. So Matt, you're a type of player, and I love this about you. But you're not afraid to mix it up. You know how to get under guys' skin. I'm curious, is there one thing, like one piece of smack talk, you know you can say on the ice to any opponent and you know it's going to get them going? <laughs> Honestly, I don't really, uh, I don't really do a ton of smack talking or chirping. I, I just, um, uh, some people, um, find that funny that I say that, but I, I don't, I, I don't, uh, really say too much out there. I kind of just let my, my play do the talking and, and uh, you know, it, it bothers some people, but, um, or some teams, but, um, it's just the way I play and, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of the way I've been played. I've played growing up. I'm curious, what's the weirdest piece of uh, smack talk or chirping you've heard directed at you? <laughs> Ooh, I, I've I've pretty much anything you could think of. I, I've probably gotten so um, won't go into too much detail. But yeah, I've I've heard a lot. <laughs> How do you how do you avoid getting baited into stuff? Like I remember the the whole thing with Cassian the other night in the glorious Battle of Alberta games you've been playing against Edmonton this year, like where you know you, you didn't engage and and I got to imagine for a guy who's kind of emotional on the ice, like it does get to that point where you're either gonna throw a punch or not throw a punch, right? So how how do you keep it in check to not get into a situation where maybe you know you've gotten under somebody's skin and you wind up taking a penalty you shouldn't take. Uh, well, I mean, there's a fine line there. I think, um, you ultimately have to do what's best for the team. And, um, you know, maybe sometimes selfishly you want to do stuff to, you know, stick up for yourself or to do something to, you know, because you're not happy. But if that's ultimately going to affect the team, then don't do it. Um, uh, I've got a, 
you know, kind of a mindset where if, if something happens to my teammates, yeah, you're obviously going to step in. But um, if it's just you that's been getting, um, you know, crap the whole game or if they're all over you, sometimes you just got to take your medicine and, and live with it because, uh, you know, if guys are going after you, that's a, that's a good thing for you. Um, but um, unless it's, you know, so-and-so player on the other team, um, you know, you got to pick your battles with, with guys that are, are yeah. out there to do that or they're out there to – to play and help their team. So you got to pick your battles that way and you just got to realize who, who's doing it. And, uh, yeah, I think ultimately if it's going to, if it's going to hurt your team, um, if it's a, if it's, if it's a bad trade off for your team, you, you know, you don't do it. Now you go, you go restricted free agent next summer, right? So did you, did you send like a case of beer to Willie Nylander or like an edible arrangements or something for doing what he did? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, he seems to, uh, you know, we don't really like to talk too much about it because it's still really early. But uh, yeah, what he did, it definitely took some took some guts. But um, I think ultimately, in the end, he he ended up getting uh, a lot a lot of money in his deal, and, and I'm sure he's very happy with how it with how it ended. So, um, I, like you said, there's a lot of a lot of guys up this year, but uh, I think we'll deal with that uh, deal with that in another day. But yeah, it was good for him. He, like I said, it was it took guts to do what he did, and ultimately, he got rewarded for it. Is that the overall feeling from the boys? Like, you know, when you guys talk about, I mean, obviously you, you got to talk about the situation, not only because of how bizarre it is, but because it's the Leafs. Um, is that the overall feeling from the boys that, that it took some real stones to do what he did and, and kind of call their bluff? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think he was, you know, ultimately didn't get everything he wanted to get, but I mean, he got a lot of it. And uh, it, it, yeah, we were all talking how crazy it was. It went down the last five minutes. Like, you know, some people would be panicking and, you know, I think a lot of people would be panicking at that point. But I think him, both him and Elise were prepared to sit out the year. And, and um, you know, that probably wouldn't have been a great thing for, uh, you know, the Leafs to have a player of his caliber sitting out the year. But, um, you know, and I'm sure he didn't want to sit out the year either, but uh, he was willing to do what he had to do. And, and, uh, for you know, I obviously you don't know what was going on behind closed doors with with him and his uh, his representatives, but um, you know they were obviously not getting stuff that they wanted at the beginning, and then you know I don't know how those contract stuff goes because I've never been through it, but um, you know I'm sure some people would you know meet in the middle or you know panic and go down to what they wanted, but he he held his uh, his side strong and and um, yeah, with the last five minutes, it was crazy. We thought it was insane that whole last day of the deadline. It was we were, we were paying close attention as <laughs> I'm sure a lot of other teams were, but yeah, it was crazy. So you've lived in Canada a few years. I'm just curious, what's the funny Canadian tick that you've noticed that you just think's hilarious? Like for example, Austin Matthews told me he thinks it's so funny that Canadians just say "Oh for sure" about everything. Oh for sure. Oh for sure. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I, I for me, it's the cheers. You know, uh, you're, you're, you're talking to the people and then, you know, when you're about to leave, they go, all right, we'll see you later. Cheers. I, I think that one, I think that one's great. Um, you know, the, the right ons, the right on A's. Uh, but I think the cheers for me, that, that, that takes a cake. I like that one a lot. Well, well, cheers, Matthew Kachuk. Give your head a shake. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I am. You didn't have to tell me. I already was. <laughs> and, uh, and thanks for your time, man. Continued success this season. It's been fun to see Calgary get back to prominence, and uh, it, it seems like a real fun ride for you guys. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, our thanks to Matthew Kachuk of the Calgary Flames, the Western Conference-leading Calgary Flames, uh, for joining us on the podcast. And were you surprised to discover that they were in first place of the Western Conference? I was very surprised to discover that, Emily. Yeah, I was surprised to discover that, but I also found out that Discover is the official credit card of the NHL. 
And with Discover, you can show how much you love your team everywhere you shop with a personalized card featuring your favorite team's logo and colors. But no matter what team you root for, and it might be the Flames, Discover is committed to rewarding all their new card members with cash back match. Only Discover offers a dollar-for-dollar match of all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year. Mm. Automatically. No caps. No signups. Redeem your rewards in any amount at any time, and they never expire. With all of that extra cash, you could treat yourself to center ice at the seats of the game, Ooh. your favorite player's jersey, or maybe you buy some new headphones to listen to your favorite podcast on. Like this one. So try it and believe it at discover.com slash NHL. Only for new card members. Limitations apply. And now it's time for one of our favorite segments of the week. Satch got your number, in which Satch and Shandon gives us a uh, trivial uh, number or fact, and we have to guess what it is in relation to in the hockey world. Hey, Greg and Emily. We're back this week with another Satch Got Your Number. The Washington Capitals were the most Googled NHL team of 2018. Who was second? All right. I think this is easy. You think it's easy, so what's your answer? The Vegas Golden Knights. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with the chalk. Okay? I'm going to go with the Chicago Blackhawks, only because it was such news that they were falling apart. The Boston Bruins were the second most Googled team in the NHL. The Toronto Maple Leafs and the Vegas Golden Knights were third and fourth. I'll take my participation trophy now. Yeah, you definitely get a participation trophy. You know what? We we completely underestimated the licking. The Brad Marchand licking. That's mm. what it was. Everybody like wanted to see, see the, the licking numbers and the post licking numbers. Oh my god! Well, that was a good one, Satch. It was very good. Um, we wrote about our biggest surprises this week on ESPN.com during a roundtable, one of our many roundtables, and uh, I wanted us to expand on disappointments because you know, growing up as we did in New Jersey. It just is very, you know, cynicism is a, is an art, right? So why dwell on the positive, Emily? We can dwell on the negative. <laughs> indeed. And that's um, the motto for our show. Indeed. Uh, biggest disappointments this season. Who was yours, first of all, in the roundtable? You know, it's been a rough year for goalies. We began the year talking about all these goalies fussing over the new equipment and save percentages at risk of being its lowest number since, uh, I think, in a decade. Uh, all of that said... Bob, Sergei Bobrovsky, two-time Vezina winner. Just his numbers are not great. Uh, he ranks uh, at high danger save percentage. I believe it's 22nd among qualifying goalies. Whoa. His save percentage is not great. I'm not going to say it because it'll probably outdated at the time of this podcast. But it almost feels like sometimes the Blue Jackets are winning in spite of him and not because of him. And that's a total change for the way it is. This is the greatest goaltender in their franchise history and we know what's going on behind the scenes with his contract situation yeah the blue jackets probably don't want to pay him as much as he would get on the open market it just seems really unsavory to me that this is the way it's going to end for him uh with a whimper yeah and that and i think end for him is is the operative phrase there because like it's a contract year and and the idea that that his numbers are taking a dip at this point when you know, it's not as if he's a spring chicken. I mean, he's going to have to uh, sign a deal that's commiserate to his age unless somebody out there is going to give a goaltender that m- number of years. To kind of lay an egg at this point is kind of a surprise considering what's in store from this summer from teams that need a goalie. Cough, St. Louis. Um, my disappointment of the roundtable was Jeff Carter, and uh, I understand he's on the trade block, so why shouldn't he be? The Kings are terrible. 
He has uh, six goals and nine assists. Nice. In uh, 31 games. Four of those goals in the power play. Now, I'm not trying to besmirch the value of a power play goal. It's very important. But Jeff Carter has always been a guy that could bring it five on five. So to have two goals at even strength through 31 games for a guy that was, you know, pegged to have a, a comeback season after his injury last year, I'm, I was stunned to look at the lack of production from Jeff Carter. Now granted, it's the Kings. There's a lot of candidates you could put up there for a lack of production guys. Andre Kopitar's numbers down. Um, you know, you know, obviously Ilya Kovalchuk not meeting those expectations some had for him. Dion Phaneuf has one assist in 31 games and is a minus 17. So there's a lot kind of drowning out Jeff Carter on that team, but I still think Carter is one of the biggest disappointments this year. He sure is, and I hate dwelling on the goaltenders, but Corey <laughs> Schneider is at risk of going winless in the entire 2018 calendar year. My God. He is 0-15-2 in his last 17 starts, and that's the longest winless streak. This is like a total mouthful because it's ridiculous. Drought by any goalie in the shootout era. Now, he obviously is coming back from a pretty serious surgery, uh, hip surgery, and people you talk to say he's just not as quick as he used to be, and, and it, a lot of that is in lateral movements, and you have to wonder, is this it for him? Uh, and what do the Devils do? Because he is under contract uh, for the next, I believe it's till 2020-2021 season. Keith Kincaid becomes UFA this summer. He's he's a you know serviceable backup, but do they go out and get a number one? Because goaltending was something they won in spite of last year, but this young plucky team is just not going to do it if, if this is the production they're getting in net. Yeah, I mean, I think what the Devils do is is cry in their beers over the fact that it appears that they have they traded a pick that ended up being Bo Horvat, who's going to be a, a top six forward in this league for a very long time for a, uh, a Corey Schneider that, that never really established himself to be the goalie that they thought he'd be in maybe a couple of years, but now just kind of falling apart. And uh, and that, that trade is looking mighty bad in hindsight, but that's hindsight, as they say. Um, there's a lot of options for my second one, but I'm going to go with one that, I, that was really a surprise when I started to peek inside the numbers, and that is an, a, a usually reliable Mark Edward Vlasic, hmm. pickle man for the San Jose Sharks. Now, granted, Vlasic has... Played a lot with uh, with Justin Braun, so uh, not necessarily with either Carlson or Burns. Um, so maybe that has a little bit of a drag on him. But you know, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, we're still talking about a guy who's on the 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 negative side of of possession. Um, his relative possession uh, stats to the rest of his teammates pretty bad. Um, again, some of this might be Braun, but Vlasic is a guy that you depend on to kind of elevate whoever he's skating with. And for Mark Edward Vlasic at this point in the season to be uh, where he is, uh, he's got a minus 13. I know plus minus is a specious stat, uh, but only a 1.8 shooting percentage, one goal in 32 games. Just not what you expect uh, from a guy who's been a very reliable performer for the Sharks. But again, like we talked about with the Kings, like the Sharks have been all over the map, like guys having good seasons, guys having mediocre seasons. Uh, Eric Carlson having both of those things in the span of uh, two weeks at times. <laughs> uh, but Vlasic has been sort of a surprise for me as far as uh, his effectiveness this year. All right, let's pick our teams. And as listeners of this podcast know, I have been on the bandwagon of the St. Louis Blues. I want them to win. But it feels like a, a weekly tradition for me to log into r slash hockey and see a <laughs> post with a Vladimir Tarasenko quote. That is something along the lines of, it feels like expletive to do this in front of our fans. That was a month ago or from a day ago. There's no consistency in our game. I apologize to all of our friends. We can't play at home like this. Like there's many, many examples. 
Uh, obviously, they fired Coach Mike Yo. You think maybe they're just being injection with a new coach, as we've seen with three of the teams that fired their coaches this year. Uh, there really has not been any kind of pivot uh, in any meaningful way. This is a team that lets Patrick Line score five goals on you. It lets Elias Peterson, Pedersen, whatever he wants to call himself that day, score all these points. Uh, it's just really disappointing. It's a lack of effort a lot of times, and it's unsettling. Yeah, that was a rough one. I had some expectations for the Blues. I also had expectations for my pick here for the most disappointing team, which is the Florida Panthers. I mean, good God. Mm. Uh, I thought this was going to be a 100-point team. I think they basically have to win out to get there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, 28 points, two from the basement in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, granted some injuries off the hop. Uh, you know, they obviously missed Luongo at the start of the season, but just not a team that's come together in any way, shape, or form like we thought that would. Um that's a huge disappointment for me for them to be where they are right now. And, and for the Devils and the Flyers and the Panthers right now, some real heavy lifting to get back into this playoff race. Uh, the Islanders um, continue to kind of do their thing. And the wild card is looking like it's going to be, you know, a light year away before it's all said and done with the way that the Canadians and Bruins have been playing. So, uh, yeah, bad times down in South Florida, indeed. Joining us on the line, Tracy Myers of NHL.com. From Chicago, she's covered the Blackhawks for many years and has never quite seen a collapse of a dynasty like this in Chicago. Tracy, if you could say one thing about the Blackhawks' current state of affairs, what would it be? Uh, stunning. I, I think that's the best word for me to wrap around it right now. Um, I, you know, there were a couple of us who were talking before the season even began with this team. And we figured, you know, maybe there's an outside chance that, that they get into the playoffs. A lot was going to have to go right. Um, but, you know, we looked at the Central and thought, okay, this division is tough again. It's going to be tricky for these guys to get in. We looked at the offseason moves. We looked at the depth. And, and a lot of things were going to have to perfectly go right um, for, for these guys to really be in the mix. But at the same time, I, I don't know if I foresaw this either um the last time i covered the blackhawks on a losing skid to this degree was in the 11 12 season and you know they lost nine in a row but they were starting you know toward the top of the central division when they went on that losing streak so it kind of put a dent in the plans but it didn't derail anything but uh you know this is this is quite the different situation that they're in right now so tracy they fire coach quenville and they hire jeremy colleton and they clearly see colleton as their coach of the future he's this young guy that's going to usher in the next generation of blackhawks you know dynastic whatever but in the Mm -hmm. short term uh it doesn't look that great what differences do you notice from the team under jeremy colleton are they playing a different style is it a lack of effort why have they struggled so mightily since he's been the coach (sighs) You know, I, I I don't think there's there's such a tremendous difference in uh, any any kind of system or anything that's that's really led to this. I mean, I mean, the big problem lately has been their starts. You know, they they get down a goal or they get down two goals, and the next thing you know, this team is uh, is having to scrape and scratch and get their way back into it. And the couple games they have. Um, I think it was uh, Alex DeBrinkett who said it perfectly the other day where he said, we play great once we're down 2 nothing. The problem is we're down 2 nothing. Um, so I think that's been the biggest thing is, is that, um, you know, as far as 
what Colleton's implemented, I think he's just kind of added a little bit here and there. But I don't think there's been any situation where uh, there's been so much of a drastic change that, uh, you know, that they can blame it on that. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of been the same issues. Uh, you know, the power play is still struggling. Uh, they had five power plays the other night against Montreal in the third period alone, and you can't capitalize on any of them. I mean, that's a killer. Uh, it's just been a couple different things, I think. And and the ultimate thing, and, uh, I, you know, maybe you could speak to this too a little bit uh, for the time that you've been out there. I'm not used to this team struggling with confidence. Mm. And they have been. And, you know, you saw it a little bit last year when, uh, you know, they went through the back end of the season without Corey Crawford. But I think a lot of them could say, okay, we're doing our best. Jeff Glass is doing our best. They're his best for us. Anton Forsberg is doing his best for us. But, you know, without Crawford, this is just where we're at. But this year, um, you know, there, there's a lot of doubt with a group of guys that we haven't seen that level of doubt before. All right, let's put the patient on the table. We have an off-season coming up. As Emily pointed out, we have $17 million in cap space, 16 guys under contract. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're talking no no move clauses for Kane and for Taves and for Seabrook and for Keith and for Corey Crawford. Um, you're talking about no trade clauses for a few other guys, um, mm-hmm. but nothing too serious. Now, if we're to operate on the Chicago Blackhawks, <laughs> what do we do? The first thing I'd probably do is trade Sod because you can. You don't have any pr- trade protection, and that'll take another $6 million off your cap. But I doubt that Stan Bowman would do that, unless, of yeah. course, it's part of my grand... Artemi Panarin laundering plan that has occurred. <laughs> um, but what would you do? I mean, where do you start? Like, and I guess, I guess the big, the first question is, do you see this as a summer of quick fix, or do you see this as a come to Jesus moment where they're going to go in the tank and try to rebuild for a couple of years? I uh, can I mix it? Can it be sure? A mix? Um, Absolutely. I, I think it's, it's one of those things. I mean, listen, this, this is a very loyal group, as we can tell from some of the contracts and, and no move clauses and what have you. Um, I, I actually agree with you on the side, uh, thing. Um, you know, it's, it, it, he had a little glimpse here earlier on in the season where you thought, Oh, okay, this is the side we've been looking to see, but it hasn't been consistent enough. And yes, there is a very large, population of the Blackhawks fan base that is very angry looking back now and saying, wait a minute, we used to love Sod, but now we got rid of that Panarin guy and we loved him more. <laughs> but, uh, you know, revisionist history being what it is. Um, I wouldn't still rule that out. I, I would still kind of keep that as a possibility. I think what the Blackhawks need more than anything, um, you know, and I've discussed this with other people, it, they need more on defense. You know, as much as their forward situation is, is, uh, doesn't have the depth that it has, but I think defense is the bigger issue. And I know they've got, uh, Yoki Haru, who's done pretty darn well this year for, for what we weren't sure what was going to happen. Uh, you've got Boquist, who's probably going to come up. But again, you got to put in quotation marks. You just never know how these things are going to go. Mm-hmm. But the biggest problem with this defense, as far as I'm concerned, is you've got Seabrook and Keith on, on the back end of their, uh, careers. You don't have any middle guys to kind of bridge that gap. And, and that's what I was wondering if they were going to do this past summer. Uh, you know, I heard the rumors of, you know, Saad to Carolina, maybe they get a defenseman. I, you know, if that was true, I think I would have done that um, mm. because it would have shored things up a little bit better on that defensive. So is it a total rebuild? I don't know if I would go that far, but 
this is a summer more than any in the past that, I mean, you've really got to do some things to show that you're heading in the right direction. You don't have to put money aside for Nick Schmaltz anymore now that you traded him to Arizona. You don't have, you know, that up-and-coming uh, RFA until the following year when you have to worry about to bring it and if it strong pans out. But you really, I think, really have to kind of buckle down this summer and say, okay, let's, let's tackle some of the things that are really hurting us right now. Tracy, the last thing for you I have is that, look, we both live in Chicago and we kind of have an understanding of the sports landscape. And mm-hmm. the Chicago Blackhawks have been so used to being relevant, but it feels like they're fading a little out of relevancy, especially with the Bears hyping up the city so much and the mm-hmm. Cubs being yep. the Cubs. And we can go on and on. How much patience do you think Rocky Wirtz is going to have uh, with this management group? Uh, do you think it extends past this season or, or do you think that there could be more changes to come uh, in the next couple months? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious about that myself. You know, I mean, now that we're we're more than a month away from John McDonough sitting up there the day that Jeremy Colleton took over for Quenville saying, we believe that this is a playoff team, and it's not. I, I You know, we're December 11th. Is that what day it is? Thank God. Um, we're, <laughs> we're December 11th, and I, I lose track of the days. You all know how that goes. Um, but we're December 11th now, and, you know, they've lost seven in a row. There's just, you know, they're falling back in a division that's very hard to catch up in. Um, I, I'm wondering the same thing. I was actually thinking about that uh, earlier this morning is, you know, you still got a pretty good chunk of fans coming to games and everything. But, yeah, the Bears are taking more interest, and the Cubs are taking more interest. And those teams always have the interest of this city. I, I'm not saying that, but the Blackhawks, because they were so successful. I mean, they moved to the top in terms of great product for us to watch, you know. And uh, so, yeah, you're starting to see that. Uh, I, I said it to the Montreal media when they were here, and I think there were 800 of them that were tracing through uh, MB Ice Arena the other day. I said, if, if the team goes bad in Montreal, fans are still going to be there. They're still going to be intrigued because that's the thing for them up there. In Chicago, there are other things you could do. There are other teams you can watch. And so this is, you know, with, with Wirtz and McDonough, that's very important, too, is making sure that people are still coming in and buying their product. And they need to put that product out there more than some of these other teams do. And so, yeah, if uh, I think they go to April and they take a breath and say, OK, let's kind of assess this. Let's look at everything that we've already talked about earlier, the cap space, what we could possibly do. Um, but going into this future or this next fall, I think is when they're really going to say, okay, things have got to happen and they've got to happen now. Indeed. Tracy Myers, where can people find your stuff? I am on NHL.com. You certainly are. All right, Tracy, thank you so much for your insight. And we'll talk to you down the line. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, Tracy Myers, for diagnosing all of the ills of the Chicago Blackhawks. It is going to be a season where we agree, Emily, they should probably mail it in the rest of the time. And speaking of mail, if you've got something to send, there's only one way to do it, and that's with Stamps.com. The holidays are here. It's super busy. It is time for you to start sending gifts around the world to your friends and loved ones. So in order to save time, Stamps.com's got a way to do it. It brings all the services of the U.S. Post Office right to your desktop. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. And then the mail carrier, will they pick it up? There are no trips to the post office required. 
couldn't be any easier. It not only saves you time, it saves you money. Stamps.com helps you print the right amount of postage every time. You never overpay again. And with Stamps.com, you get discounts on postage that you can't even get at the post office. We use Stamps.com because we love sending stuff to our loved ones. And we also love convenience. And we also love saving money. Those three things all come together to make us Stamps.com users. And right now, you could use it too with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com. You click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and you type in ICE as an ESPN on ICE. So that's stamps.com. Click that old microphone and enter the promo code ICE. That spells ICE. Now it's time for our favorite segment of the week. Phil Kessel loves hot dogs. No, he does not love to eat hot dogs. Our weekly look at sad hyperbole and strange narratives of the hockey media. Good one, Randy. Good one. So, Emily, you point out that we should probably subtitle this segment each week now. Indeed. It is the Willie Nylander Memorial Award. <laughs> Once again, we go to our friends in the century of the hockey universe as Ray Ferraro is a guest on TSN 1050 talking to host Brian Hayes about why it's not so cool to get on Willie Nylander for not being in perfect condition after just coming back from his contract dispute. Brian, this is... This is not like hosting a radio show. It's much more difficult to play a professional sport. Okay, so what do you expect out of him? Moving box. Like we can put we can put a guy in your chair and they'll get through. They'll screw up the brakes, but they'll get through. Mm-hmm. Same but with you, you in between the benches. Same thing. Correct. Go ahead. Yeah, but see, there's the difference, Brian. Is that I don't have an inflated sense of self. Right oh now. really? I, under, I I played I played and I understand a little bit more maybe than some other people. I understand if I took eight months off and I went to play, it would be more than two practices in two games. Okay, right. Then, then I when? would be anywhere near. I already told you two weeks. Two weeks. Oh, that's so beautiful. Taking the pee out of the narrative with Willie Nylander, and then smacking around the host of a radio show about you know. It's not like hosting a radio show. We should say that Ray is a frequent guest on this program, so there's a bit of a jocularity to these comments, but still, dang, that was scathing. It was great. There's nothing that triggers talk radio more than attacking talk radio. Time for Puck Headlines. Dateline, beer technology. As PPG and the National Hockey League announced that the official game pucks that will be used at the NHL Winter Classic as the press release called it, Emily, the much-anticipated matchup between the Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> I digress. Okay. Uh, will be coated with this gook or whatever, uh, and will change from purple to clear. They said clear, but it's actually white when the puck's temperature is above freezing, providing a visual indication to officials that the puck should be replaced. replaced. Said Dan Craig, hockey pucks are made of vulcanized rubber and glide smoother and faster when frozen. Freezing a puck eliminates bouncing, and game officials closely monitor the puck for temperature changes that will affect performance while in play. According to changes color when the puck is above freezing, will more accurately alert the officials that it is time for replacement. My question to you is, why are they testing this at the Winter Classic, which will probably be below freezing in South Bend, Indiana? It seems like an all-star test to me, but who's to say? Who's to say? Dateline Anaheim were to say that Ryan Miller hurt his MCL 
going to be out for weeks. So who do they turn to to back up Gibson? Why, it's Chad Johnson, tossed aside by the St. Louis Blues as perhaps one of the worst signings of the offseason as uh, they tried to make him the, uh, the the new Carter Hutton. Uh, he was claimed on waivers uh, after Miller went down, and that's fine. Like, he's going to get the job done. I feel bad for Miller because he was having a really good season. I think he was playing his, his way into potentially a deadline deal to some other team, potentially. But, uh, you know, this is more what Chad Johnson is. He's a backup. He's not a 1A, and that's good for him. Honestly, the more troubling thing to me is that Ricard Raquel has a sprained ankle and is out indefinitely, and it feels like the Ducks are just hitting their stride and now have some injury issues, which is troubling. I still feel it's inexplicable. They're a playoff team right now. Dateline, Tampa Bay. The Lightning are on a 9-1-0 roll. They play the Toronto Maple Leafs this week. Seven-game series. Healthy Vasilevsky. Who wins, Emily? I don't know. I Even with a healthy Louis Domingue, I think that the Lightning would win. <laughs> I don't think there needs to be a Vasilevsky contingency. Give Domingue the Vezina. I, I, you know, the Leafs are kind of a tricky one. I still feel like they're kind of finding their way as a playoff team, but three good lines. Tampa's kind of an underwhelming group. Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, in the playoffs. Oh, okay. They, I mean, in the playoffs, this is not a team that's been able to get over the hump, save for one season. But they've never um, had Super Braden Point at the super peak that he's at. This is true. This is true. They roll two. I think Tampa, the the Leafs roll three. But I got to say, I think the great, the, I think the big difference between these teams Deep. is that defense core for Tampa. Yep. Like, I mean, it's just so good. And and the Leafs, as we've talked about a million times, simply don't have that depth quite yet on the blue line. So even though the overwhelming nature of the Leafs' attack makes me believe that they could overcome any team in the playoffs, I think it's still have to take Tampa's. And you can roll out, you know, Hedman and McDonough for, you know, what, 60 minutes a night? <laughs> if they wanted to with the way Edmund plays, uh, that puts him in a good position. Uh, Dateline, uh, Toronto speaking of the Leafs, Zach Hyman got a two-game suspension for a hit on Charlie McAvoy. Was this warranted or was this a favor to Jeremy Jacobs? I don't think it was a favor to Jeremy Jacobs. I do think this was warranted. It seemed excessive to me. It did, and and uh, a bit predatory, and a you know they count the the seconds uh, between the release of the puck and the hit, and this one was more egregious than even you know the Ryan Reeves hit on uh, on on Tom Wilson. Uh, I think it was a good one, and uh, and I understand why they made it, and I understand why Leafs fans are upset. But if you go back and look at the suspension to Jake Furtanen a couple of years ago, it's almost the exact same type of play, and at least you have to give them credit for being consistent in the department of player safety. Dateline the Oscars. They don't have a host. We're talking about maybe just not having a host. Emily, if you could pick anybody in the National Hockey League, broadcaster, coach, general manager, player, journalist, to host the Oscars, who would it be? Anyone. Anyone. Like literally anyone. I could I could use my entire imagination. Yes. Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> He'd be so good at the yes. digs. Friend of the podcast, Matthew Kachuk. Um, functional After he answer. Celebrates his twenty first birthday. Yeah. F- functional answer, James Duffy. Mm. Uh, popular answer, P.K. Subban. Mm. My answer, uh, Ilya Brzezgalov. Mm. Now, uh, the nominees for Best Picture are Roma. <laughs> if Beale Street could talk. Green Book. Um, <laughs> Can you please keep going? I want him to hear him say Black Panther. No, I'll, do all, I'll do all the announcements. All the, all the nominees. Uh, Black Panther. Vibranium. <laughs> uh, now it's time for the uh, the rant line. 
Hey, Greg and Emily. This is Mitch. Um, I'm out in Michigan right now. There's one phrase that has just infiltrated all of hockey that I cannot stand. And it is the term hometown discount. People are saying, well, maybe they can make Willie Nylander or Austin Matthews take a hometown discount. Last I checked, none of those guys are from Toronto, Ontario, or even Canada. The only time hometown discount would work for Austin Matthews is going to the Arizona Coyotes. A hometown discount is when a guy comes to a certain club or stays in a certain club because he's from there. Like, uh, you know, what the Red Wings did all those years bringing in Mike Madano and Justin Ablocator and all those guys from Michigan taking a hometown discount to play with the team they always wanted to play with, not to stay with your current team. That's not a hometown discount. Love the show. Bye. I'm all for the rage over the misapplication of a term. Uh, I tend to have my own malapropisms. For example, I called a straw man something today when it turned out not to be a straw man. Um, so I agree. A hometown discount should be reserved only for someone choosing to play in their hometown. Um, so basically what John Tavares did not give the Leafs would be <laughs> a hometown discount. I, I agree. I think there's sometimes these terms that we just use that we don't even think about. So I appreciate you pointing this out. There you go. Well, that's the rant line. If if you want to call the rant line, 860-516-1029 to leave it for a future episode of ESPN on Ice. That is the show for this week. Linda Cohen will start joining us each week on On Ice to answer your questions. By the way, you can shoot a question for Linda to either of us during the week. You can do it probably through Twitter is the best way. We will ask Linda on this week's episode of On Ice. Uh, and make sure you catch In the Crease on ESPN Plus, our nightly highlight show that Linda and John Bucci-Grass host. So that'll be fun, having uh, Linda and Bucci on the podcast more to answer your questions uh, going forward. But there you go. That's the show for this week. I'm Greg Wyshynski. You can find my stuff at Wyshynski on Twitter and, of course, over on ESPN.com. Emily Kaplan, also on ESPN.com, at Emily M. Kaplan. All right. That's the show. Thanks to Mac and Chuck. Thanks to Tracy Myers. Thanks to all you listening. If you like the show, go to iTunes. Leave good reviews and five stars and all that good stuff. Bye. 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 This has been ESPN on Ice with Wyshynski and Kaplan. Subscribe to the show in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.